Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hi, and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today, we've got an international guest, Slava Kristich, and he is a CEO of a company, and I'm gonna tell you all about what he does. He is a CEO of Tatita, and that company provides clients with software development resources in the USA and internationally to extend teams to complete complex projects and solve challenging tasks. Uh, their model, provides improved communications between technical and non-technical resources, management, excellent economics, and high quality deliverables. And one of the reasons Slava has such interesting stories to tell us is because their company actually is, works on improving communication and we're all about people skills and people strategies here on Reinventing Nerds. So let's welcome Slava. Hi Slava. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Good. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, this is great. I'm very excited uh, to have you on our show today because uh, we don't have as many international guests and, and you're not just an international person, but your company is too. So let's just start out and find out what is your background and, you know, how did you get into software to begin with? Uh, my background is very interesting because my education in actually economics and mechanical engineering I got to U.S. in 1991. I was involved heavily in the biotech field. I used to work at Salk Institute in the research facility, and this is where I actually got introduced to computers at the full extent, and I felt in love. I started writing small code here and there, started learning how computers operate, how they communicate, and just totally felt in love, and I've been doing this for 25 plus years. No kidding, I didn't realize you were at the Salk Institute. And so where are you from then originally? I am from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And so you came over to do that work here? Have you been here for longer? Uh, no, actually I came here after graduating my college and uh, for, with my family, uh, for family matters, and collapse of Soviet Union happened right at that time. Mm -hmm. And we decided to stay here in the U.S. with, with my wife. No, okay, yeah, so for personal reasons and yes. also uh, professionally. But you have part of your team back over in the other side of the pond, as they say in England at least. And they, uh, So tell us about Tatito. Where are your resources or people, as you might say? Uh, we have local resources in San Diego, and mm -hmm. we also have a majority of our team is in Ukraine. This is where all development is happening. Uh, I have 25 years of software development background, and the reason why we started Petita, because as a developer working for other companies, everybody was pretty upset about the quality, about communication, about the time they had to get up either early to be on the meetings with offshore team, or do you stay really late? Uh, so when we started Tatida, we decided to fix all those issues and just make sure this is really done well. So instead of stretching the time, we're trying to shrink the time 
and squeeze as much productivity in a single day, not uh, stretching across multiple days, which okay. was really common pattern before. So what does that mean then when you're compressing the time there or squeezing it in uh, from the client perspective? What would that mean? Uh, the common problem before was uh, because communication was poor between remote teams. And if you would uh, put, well, if you would have certain tasks for the team, remote team, you would send the request and it would take them a day to get back to you. And here's the day pass. So instead of be done by next morning, it will take two or three days to get the task done. And all that starts with communication. So poor communication leads to poor responses, poor performance, and uh, a lot of money were wasted <laughs> just because of this. You know, people were sitting and waiting for yeah. and be dependent. One team would be dependent on another team. Okay. And that was our uh, goal. This is our mission. We're trying to fix day by day. You know, we're not the perfect uh, team. We have our mm -hmm. ups and downs. But uh, today we're better than we were yesterday, and tomorrow we'll be better than we are today. So it's constant improvement. So we, what kind of uh, problems are typical in this area? Not necessarily uh, that you're dealing with now, but what have come up in terms of uh, some communication problems, especially in the global arena? Uh, well, a lot of uh, challenges we see. Um, when, you, when you're dealing with technical people, we're pretty much uh, communicating at the same language. It doesn't matter where you're at. But when you're dealing with business uh, people where, where culture takes big place, uh, how, well, people sometimes don't know how to explain to developers what they want. And if remote developers, they don't know what uh, expected from them, they can build something what they think it's, it's correct from their point of view, but it may not be necessarily what client wants to see. So here's the gap in communication and explanation what's the actual or final result should be. And very important to have this constant communication daily with the client, with the team, and address any questions, any issue, which can you know, be discovered on the daily, pretty much, pretty much daily, yes. Wow, okay, so let's just make sure that our listeners are following here that your, your customers, your clients, are people you're developing software for because you call yourself outsourcing, right? It's not necessarily that your your customers are buying products that you're making. You're helping to deliver uh, specific uh, resources to clients who are already developing things, or, or who are your clients? Uh, that's correct. We, we have two types of clients. Uh, first type of client where they use our resources as staff augmentation. Uh, so let's assume they have a team, maybe a small team of developers in their office, but uh, they need to extend their capacity and sometimes they don't have necessarily the resources they need for certain tasks to be done. Uh, so this is the type of service we provide. We pretty much build our team and we work as a part of their team, as a just larger team. Right. Uh, yeah, so they work in daytime and they're working at night, pretty much. So it allows company not just save the money because this is international resources and economics, but also do more in 24 hours. Okay, so this is really interesting because I talk to a lot of people who are dealing with customers or clients who are really speaking a different language because they're non-technical. But you're dealing with people who are technical, they're other developers, and you still have communication issues. So 
why is that? I mean, you know, just uh, not to say anything bad about like what you're doing, but I mean, like, why would this come up as a general policy? Uh, well, we prefer to uh, deal with technical people because actually there are less communication issues. We right. almost speak in the same language. Mm -hmm. But uh, our second type of clients where we do project-based work and a lot of times those people don't have any developers on their staff. So we only communicate with uh, product owners or business owners who wants to build their application. They don't know, they never built software before. And this is where the most important communication part, we're not just communicating, delivering messages from our clients or developers, we're also helping our clients to build better software. We have extended experience in this area, so we're guiding them how it should be done, what would be the best way of doing it, so to reduce their risk assessments and do it the right way. Um, and again, this is all communication. It starts with communication. So how do you either assemble a team of people who already have these skills or help them develop these skills to communicate? Uh, well, well, first of all, we at least right now, because we're a small company, we only can afford senior people. Okay. Because senior people, it seems that they're more expensive, but in the long run, they're not. They make less mistakes. You have to explain less to them. They know what, what they do. And our principal has probably heard before, we hire smart people not to tell them what to do. So they know what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's really helps. Uh, we going through series of interview, technical interview, personality interview, uh, meet with those people. It takes us a long time to find the right candidates. And this is how we build our team. We value our engineers a lot, and we don't want them to leave. We do everything possible to keep them, and they stay with us for many, many years, actually. Our mm -hmm. turnover is really low. Okay. And so what kind of things have come up in terms of yourself? And I mean, you said you were sort of new to software because you had been in biotech. And what kind of changes did you have to make in yourself to learn these communication skills? And uh, well, first I had to learn software development yeah. and programming in different languages. I took a lot of uh, college courses, read a lot of books, pretty much uh, self a lot of self-education and a lot of work, hard work. You know, it's, 24 hours was not enough for me in the mm -hmm. day. Uh, and just, I like what I do. That's probably part of my success. I'm, I never have to go to work, you know, I just, uh, I enjoy what I do. I'm always happy to be with the client, uh, develop something new, and it's like a builder. When you build something, you can see results of your work. I think this is very rewarding. When you build and people start using it, and you get feedbacks, and if it's great software or not so great, and you know, when we get negative feedbacks too, we're working on those, and we, every time we're trying to improve, we have, uh, team meetings, we do retrospective after our projects. We analyze what we do good, and we also analyze what we do uh, wrong or not so good, mm -hmm. and constant improvements. Yes. So again, it's all back to communication. Uh, how did I, well, I used to be a consultant and for many different companies, uh, some Fortune 500 companies. I've seen how it's done in different environments. Uh, you know, I had to lead some teams. Uh, did as a pro as a project lead, as a team lead, as an architect on uh, many different projects. Uh, 
And again, that's all about communication, how you deliver your requirements and what needs to be tasks and planning to your developers, to your team, and how you provide the feedback to your superiors and are we on time and budget. Uh, so does that come up as an issue to providing uh, feedback to the superiors? Or? Uh, no, but sometimes, you know, when you don't have such a great result, it, it's tough. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. nobody won't, likes to talk about ne negativity or when you're behind and something slips. So how do you do that without blaming? I mean, because that's something that comes up a lot for people, you know, make, taking responsibility, being accountable. We only blame ourselves. We, we do not like bl uh, to blame anybody else. If something is not done right, it's probably some mistakes were made in this process. Something was not estimated properly or some uh, technology maybe wasn't evaluated uh, fully. And, you know, we're working with a lot of integration points and sometimes missing information uh, leads to some of those uh, mistakes or challenges. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like that would require a degree of humility to be able to admit, yeah, that you're not perfect and you make mistakes, like you being you, people on your teams and all that. Uh, does it help having more senior people who have had the experience to get to that point? Or have you noticed that to be something that comes over that time or not? Yes, actually, we don't have that much of bad experience. We do have occasionally here and there, and it does help to work with senior people because a lot of them, they've been through similar situations, they already know how to address the problem. Uh, usually senior people open for bring the problem first, instead of just waiting. So pretty much to be proactive instead of be reactive. Okay, so they bring it up, they raise it when they see uh, something's going wrong rather than trying to hide it. <laughs> yes. yeah. They're not just, you know, you tell them what needs to be done and they'll just do it. No, when they do it, they also put their mind into that. And if they mm -hmm. see something off, they will notify us and at least to give us a warning mm -hmm. and actually question our decisions. And this is what we like about our people. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really curious about uh, another issue that probably comes up, or at least I don't know how you handle it. Um, and that is this cross-cultural communication. Because your teams are spread across different cultures, and I'm guessing your clients are too. So, you know, what kind of challenges come up for you there, just in terms of the cultural issues? It's uh, a good question. I don't even know how to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have. Well, we do have some issues, but usually it's uh, sometimes misunderstanding okay. because of different cultures and. Um, especially when we don't get the clear requirements. And uh, when client gives us too much freedom, we're trying to do as much work as we think it's uh, relative to the problem to address. But sometimes we think our way, and it's actually a different way. So those are more cultural differences mm -hmm. and experience. And do you hire people on your teams who've had cross-cultural experiences, or do you help them work uh, the way? Well, we, we do. We do have in our company. We have constant training for developers. They okay. go through, um, you know, they have extended English courses. Even though all of them pretty fluent uh -huh. in English, it's it, it's must. So you're saying that they are required to do training in English as well as in professional skills. What would the professional skills be? Uh, well, I'm not sure how familiar you with technology and how it's in, 
evolved right now, but uh, there's every day new frameworks coming up and something new and cool pops, okay. pops you know, from Google, from Microsoft, from all different companies here and there, from Amazon. And different clients uh, like different technologies. And uh, our strength is we can adapt to those technologies and learn re relatively fast. We do have our uh, niche and uh, specific, uh, specialization. Uh, but even in our specific domain, there are still external changes. They, you know, they reflect what we do. We have to learn always some new technologies, some new way of uh, thinking, some new way of using different services and security, uh, you know, performance, globalization, <laughs> you know, you name it. And it needs, right. well, yeah, we don't know everything, but uh, we're learning. So that again goes to some of the humility as just having this constant learning, but that's also uh, much more interesting for people, I think, too, right? As a way to retain them, to be offering those kind of uh, opportunities on the job. Yes, it is. And this is what our people like about what we do uh, because we work with a variety of different clients. They have an opportunity uh, to move one project to another. Uh, from one technology to another, but it's not like black and white. You don't switch from black technology to white. It's yeah. there. Maybe you know you go from white to white to gray, and from gray to black. But it's not. Yeah. And this is what people uh, like. They learn a lot. They yeah. always interested. There's always challenges at work. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. that too. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of you, Slava, I want to ask you. So you said you had a passion for the technology and for writing code and all that. But you're a CEO. I mean, how has that been different to be a leader? And how did you develop some of those skills to being a leader of uh, programmers versus just writing it yourself? Well, because I could not scale what I want to do. That was my passion. And I see, you know, the problem needs to be solved. I know there's a lot of, I see more and more companies actually doing, doing this. And I'm really, really glad they are. Uh, software outsourcing improved a lot. There's Tons of great companies right now. It wasn't, you know, 20 years, 15 years ago, it wasn't that many. It was really poorly done. But uh, being a developer or team lead, I could only work with, you know, with a little team and one client at the time. But we want to introduce this pattern to many people, you know, to almost make like a movement. You know, when you outsource something, your outsource professional should be probably doing better than you can do. Yeah. Uh, if I hire a lawyer, outsource lawyers, I assume he is doing the great job, right? Right. Because I can also pick up some book and read and start doing law, practice law myself, but it's not going to be the same. Right. So this is what we're trying to deliver to our clients. We're professionals. We will probably do better than if you would do it in-house yourself. Mm -hmm. And also we encourage people who are in this area to get uh, their staff, to get support, and uh, because we do prefer to work with technical people and we mm -hmm. always encourage our clients to at some point get to the point where they can hire their developers their project managers their business analysts to improve their product to make it better and more efficient you know and if we yeah. have to phase out we will there's no hard feeling but usually as company grow they help us to grow our team as well right well a common problem that I see with people who are very technical and who love their jobs and when they move into a leadership position is that they really miss doing the hands-on work. 
So how did that come up for you? Do you miss it? Do you micromanage your teams because you just want to be in there? Or are you able to uh, separate yourself and say, okay, I trust you guys to do it? How does that come up for you? Uh, well, first of all, I do write some code because I can't live without that. And ah, okay, so, so you still do some, okay. Yeah, I do a little bit. It's also helped me to stay on the top of new technologies, what's coming yeah. out. I'm learning new languages all the time and new technology. I'm not becoming a guru, but I'm getting at least familiar with what's mm -hmm. going on. And I have to, to know that. So I can talk intelligently with my team. Uh, micromanagement, we don't have micromanagement. We fully <laughs> trust our people. We, it's, it's, uh, all of our company based on, on trust mm -hmm. uh, because you know if we trust our people I hope our clients will trust us and this is two way street it's, yeah that makes a lot of sense you know you hear yeah, a lot because, of, yeah. yeah if we don't want to uh, and when we hire people we'll tell them you know it's all based on trust if we can trust trust you you cannot work with us and same, same, same way for those people. They trust us, what we do, make our decision, and we're always looking for the best for our team. So have you ever had to fire clients because they don't trust you to get the work done? Uh, we did hire, uh, fire a client, but not because they didn't trust, because they didn't pay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's another good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk a lot about economics versus quality and that's I know something that you've talked to me about before and I'm wondering what you mean by that how does that come up for you and at Tatita? Uh, well again the only way it makes economical sense like uh, as you do any offshoring because mm -hmm. the cost of living in other countries are lower than in the US right our rates is by many folds higher than in many other countries uh, what we pay our developers, they probably make uh, a lot of money over there. So it, they're really highly paid people in their countries. And this is true for any developers anywhere. You know, developers, they're well compensated in the U.S. Uh, and uh, elsewhere. You know, you go to Mexico, to India, to China, any country. Uh, you will see the same trend. Developers pay really well in relation to other population. You know, I'm not talking about lawyers and doctors, but in general, yes. Yeah. And they value that because it takes a lot of brain power to do what they do. So it makes economic sense, uh, both for the uh, people who are working, the developers, as well as the clients who are paying, because it's a win-win. Uh, well, it is win-win, but also uh, there's, you have to evaluate. Uh, sometimes we, we wouldn't probably even take some work offshore because uh, we don't think it's appropriate. And sometimes it's not always about the money. Uh, it's about your intellectual property. Uh, see what you're building and, you know, if it needs to be closed environment and not, uh, you know, spread it out. And uh, we had some clients. We actually advised them not to do that, even though for us it was be a great profit, you know, and great project. But... Uh, Certain company, what they were doing, they said, "No, you, you probably want to keep it in your close environment. You know, pay more, do it locally, uh, because it might hurt if it leaks somewhere." Yeah. Okay. Wow, it sounds like a high level of integrity as yep. well. Yeah, making those decisions. Yeah. So, um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? 
uh, they go on our website. There's a phone number or email. And okay. Can, and, and we'll have the email. Okay. And I can put that in the show notes so people can go to Tatita or just tatita.com. Yeah. yeah. And we, uh, we work with a lot of small businesses and startups. And um, I help some students at uh, uh, San Diego University. They do come mm -hmm. sometimes with questions. And I'm happy to help, you know, just uh, totally. If I can help anybody to get them on the right path, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, that's I'm, great. So you're not even just about hiring or uh, no. finding you for work, that you actually no. like to mentor yeah. people and help get people. Yeah, I want them if, you know, especially if it's technology related, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I've seen uh, quite a few clients who got burned by bad setup at the beginning and it cost them a lot of money later on. Mm -hmm. So I just uh, advise some people to what needs to be done right from the get-go to avoid certain bumps on the road. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like, well, that would make a lot of sense because uh, it can, once you're already involved, that could be quite costly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, but there are simple, yes, simple steps you can do to avoid a lot of that. Aha, uh -huh. and if you want to know more to our listeners and viewers, <laughs> contact Slava. <laughs> he has a lot of advice. Any last words of wisdom for our nerds who are looking for people strategies, people who are developers in that industry? Uh, people strategy. Well, I would say for developers who want to start their business, they should do it. It's hard, but it has great rewards. And I don't think it's ever late to start you know you don't have to be in your 20s you can start in your 40s or 50s you know if you have the dream of building something you can still have your full-time job but start uh, your company slowly and growing something bigger you know with uh, technology these days and you know all those resources this is so easy to do it right now yeah. well that's very inspirational thank you Thank you so much, Slava, for being a guest on Reinventing Nerds. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share your wisdom with us. Okay, great. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners and viewers. Yes, we're, we're cutting out right now. And you can find us on reinventingnerds.com, on iTunes, and all the other places. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.